Welcome to the Lola Community Podcast. In this podcast, we will have questions, quotes, and conversations between different people, and your host will be Pleasant Selecki. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Let the magic begin. You're here. And it's so clear and beautiful. And here's the deal, you guys. Um, A month ago, maybe even in the spring, AIM, I had put out a email request on our list and said, hey, who do you guys want on the podcast? Who do you want to hear more of? And your name came right up into my inbox. They were like, we want to hear you and Amy Jam. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. Um, how do you, you're not Tatsumi anymore. I'm not Amy. Tatsumi anymore. <laughs> okay. So introduce yourself <laughs> because I still think of you as Amy Tatsumi. I am the person formerly known as Amy Tatsumi. I'm, mm. I am, I've returned to Amy Babish. I am Amy Babish. What is Babish? What's uh, its original? Um, it's Hungarian mm. and it, it is traditionally Babich, but that has a certain ring to it. <laughs> so they, they changed it. You know, <gasps> yes. Yes. I'm okay. From Hungarian gypsies. Really? <laughs> really. And S- Sicilian witches. <laughs> That's my okay. lineage. Wait, I need to hear more about the gypsies and the witches. Tell me more. So my dad is one of eight and his dad was one of 17 And um, they were very poor gypsies. And so when they came to America, they were all raised by different people. And um, I come from immense trauma, a lot of trauma in my lineage. And so my dad knows nothing about being Hungarian um, or being a gypsy. Um, (laughs) But that's part of how I'm here. And um, my Mom's dad is Sicilian, and um, he comes from a line of Sicilian witches. And um, my, my, my mom's mom is Northern Italian, and, and her lineage is also mm. um, the Northern witches. <laughs> okay, so hold on a second. I hear you, and my soul understands what you're saying, but we live in Washington, D.C. in 2019. <laughs> so what – can you give me more – like, where did you grow up and with what parent – or parents, or how did they meet? Like, what, how did that play out? My story is, is, um, you'll just, you'll get lots of giggles from my story. So my parents met in, in Campus Crusade at Slippery Rock University. All these names are magical names Mm -hmm. Um, in in Pennsylvania. I'm from, Mm -hmm. I'm from outside of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I was born in Uniontown. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Moon Township, like the moon in the sky. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Um, My dad now lives in Neptune Beach. No. And no. I live in Silver Spring. Yeah. <laughs> All of the names are totally unconscious. Um, so, so I grew up in, outside of Pittsburgh um, okay. in, a, in a suburb. And I've been in D.C. since um, I graduated from college. I've been here for almost 20, 20 years, 19 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I am here because of my daughter and mm-hmm. also because um, my heart longs to be on the West Coast, but after Trump got elected, I was literally spiritually called. Mm-hmm. And so I'm here for 
Many sometimes. Yes. Um, okay. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have a brother and we're very, very different. Okay. He, he is a born again Christian and he's a material science engineer okay. and he homeschools his children. Okay. And what about in terms of like, okay, what I'd love to hear a little bit about is this, this integration of your spirit world and all those synchronicities and connections between your history and your daily life. Like, was there ever a time when they sort of clashed or you had to make certain choices? Maybe that, maybe that's even going to come up. We were going to talk a little bit about sort of separation and divorce like did that come up in your marriage was your husband deeply (laughs) spiritual or tell me how this sort of has been playing out um so I think that we all know ourselves in a certain way when we're little people Mm -hmm. and then life makes you suppress who you really are Mm -hmm. and um I definitely knew that I was intuitive since I was very little Mm -hmm. but then I I didn't really know how to make sense of that knowing because no one in my conscious life was able to be a role model for me around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then over the past um, 20 years, I've had what you might call like peak experiences. Mm-hmm. And peak experiences are when you have um, an exchange with something bigger than yourself or the divine or whatever you'd like to call it. Mm-hmm. That's like literally like a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a number of those. And I had those before I met my ex-husband. Um, and so I was spiritual when we met, but... Um, I wasn't this iteration that I am today, 2019. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, as I had come more uh, deeply into my spiritual connection with myself and who I'm called to be in this life, um, I really wanted um, the invitation for my ex-husband to join me on that path. Not, Not necessarily in his own spiritual practice, but just in like, I'm gonna be growing and let's, be by my side while we do this. I would love for you to grow too, but um, he just didn't know how. And I know he loved me with his whole heart and he still loves me, but mm-hmm. he, um, he did not know how to kind of grow up with me. Um, we were both Sorry, younger. you just yeah. cut out for one second. You said you met, um, when did you meet? We met when I was out of graduate school and he had, he had graduated from undergrad and we were, mm-hmm. I, because of my trauma history, I was available for very, very small amount of love. And mm-hmm. he was the most loving person I had ever met. But mm-hmm. as I healed and as I became more connected to myself, um, I, I needed more and he wasn't able to give more. And um, so we were together for 14 years and he, um, for seven years, I really asked in many different ways and we did couples therapy and I talked with his friends. I talked with my friends and no, it's part of my path is this, is this, is not being with him anymore. And, um, you know, I, I wrote about this recently that, um, when my daughter, we have a seven-year-old daughter together and my, mm-hmm. my, my ex-husband's Japanese and he's an immigrant and um, he's had a girlfriend since I moved out of the house mm-hmm. and she's much younger than I am. And my daughter has a longing for us to know each other. And she'd been mm-hmm. asking me and it wasn't until I saw um, my ex-husband and his girlfriend and my daughter at 
a dinner that I hosted for them, like I saw his happiness Mm -hmm. and then I could start to forgive myself, which I wasn't sure if that was ever going to happen. Forgive yourself for leaving him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it was so painful. Well, I mean, there's like very human part of me is like, like, why can't this be enough? Mm-hmm. Um, but the work that I do in the world is like really like you have to be aligned. You have to show up <laughs> and answer the call. And I have this amazing life. And then in my, my marriage, I'm basically with a roommate who yeah. is, is not interested in me and isn't interested. Like he's not, doesn't think I'm attractive. He doesn't ask me to go on dates. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're not having sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a tantric coach. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's pretty much like all signs point to you need to, you need to be the one to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really hard because I, I have a huge bandwidth for suffering. I have a huge bandwidth for compassion. Mm-hmm. And I thought that if I just waited it out, it would change. Mm-hmm. And seven years, it just was not going to change. And I guess that's my like question is a lot of the women in our circles are having like, I feel like it's at a societal level sort of really mm, growing. We're having more com- open conversations about it. We're being, I think, a little bit more um, real and authentic in our conversations. And so what I've noticed is that very few women are, do feel fulfilled in their marriages, and their relationships. What's your, I mean, did that process take a long time for you? Like I heard you say seven years. Was that sort of like the discovery period? I mean, it wasn't overnight where you decided to just sort of, you know, drop a bomb on your family. Yeah. I mean, I think that I kept on asking the best way that I, I could to try and yeah. say like, let's try this differently. Um, and I wasn't asking for like really complex things. I was asking for a very simple things because Mm -hmm. I, I am able to meet most of my needs. Yeah. Um, and you know, like a lot of people that come to see me, I see a lot of therapists. I see a lot of coaches who Mm -hmm. struggle in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And part of what the confusion for people is, is that like, if the woman, you know, and this, I don't just see head over and of couples, but the client that's coming to see me is mostly women. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if they're doing this personal work, they have a longing for their partner to be on a parallel path. And mm-hmm. what I explain to people is that it's very different when you know how to ask your partner in a way from your embodied adult self versus from your little girl self. Who's mm-hmm. like, I deserve this. And like, if you loved me, you would read my mind. Or if you mm-hmm. loved me, you would learn to ha- do emotions. Or if you loved me, like blah, 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 blah. Like when there's signs of resignation, fear, anger, um, Mm-hmm. or kind of finger pointing <laughs> resentment. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. then you know that it's not from an embodied place. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is learning how to do your own work so that when you, when you actually ask from an embodied place, most partners really want the embodied adult woman to show up. Mm-hmm. And when they receive that, it's completely different and everything shifts. And it doesn't mean they're going to do exactly what you want them to do, but like they can respond to the call in a different way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. You <laughs> said when Trump, and I'm like, you know, taking all of these notes like a crazy lady. Um, <laughs> when you said 
after Trump was elected, you said something like there was a shift in your work or your calling. Oh, yeah. So what I want you to talk a little bit about is, again, I sort of like our history is that you were using the little ohm space for shared circles for art therapy, right? I came to, I, the first time we met was, <laughs> was, um, I was one of the first people to do Bernays work. Right. And so yeah, then right. I, you, you right. hosted like a video that I, yeah. that I shared. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yes. Yes. So, mm-hmm. and I'm an art therapist. Um, right. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so this is the world, which is kind of mainstream. Like, let, like, I feel like right yeah. now, Brene is kind of mainstream. <laughs> yeah, before um, she was, she was not, but now she's mainstream for sure. Totally. Um, and the ways that she was teaching, I mean, so powerful. I love and adore right. the work. And I think it's very, very important. And um, most of like you and I who have been reading and studying for a long time have sort of grown um, or evolved away from it in some ways. I think just because there's a lot that needs to be said sort of over and over that she was sharing. And now that we sort of got that message, at least I'll speak for myself. Um, I just don't resonate as deeply with the, this current work. And I think that's just a shift. I think that's normal. Right. I think because I've been studying and learning so much. Um, so I'd love for you to talk about, you know, this kind of, when I met you, you were doing the, you were primarily a therapist, right. Full time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. what is oh, happening yeah. now? And, and was that influenced by Trump and your marriage and all that? So, so I am an art therapist by training. I worked yeah. in public mental health as a sex abuse and sex trafficking therapist for a decade. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to have our daughter. And then I fell into Brene's work. And Brene would say, like, it's not rocket science why she's a shame researcher. It's not rocket science why I fell into Brene's work. Like, I, mm-hmm. I came from immensely shaming background. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it was super healing. And I integrated that into like what I would call like traditional private practice. Mm-hmm. And I still had my intuition happening, but it was very much like, I will let that out in like, like, you know, droplet sized doses. And like, I wasn't really being all of me. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was 2012 when I started to, when I became certified in her work. Mm-hmm. And um, then um, I had a peak experience that like, really opened me up Mm -hmm. and that's when it was like a non-negotiable for me to start being who I am all the time not just like in my personal life versus my client life so then fast forward to I was then spiritually called to hold um retreats like like deep somatic transformational retreats in sacred places and so I'm flying over across the world to Japan to hold my first retreat the day that Trump is elected mm-hmm. and talk about like a WTF. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was bringing women together to like celebrate like all those things. So when I was in Japan for my first retreat, you know, I, I have t- downtime. I'm in these sacred mountains in Japan and the mountains literally tell me you have to hold a 50 woman retreat in February. It was November and you're going to bring together all the people in your network and they're going to say who they really are, what they really do. And then like people are going to start to network in a way that you've never seen before. Mm. And so I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm, allowed to swear, I'm allowed to swear away. We're allowed to do whatever we want. There are no rules. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, I don't want to. Because what people, some people don't know is that when you have a deep connection with guides, you don't have to do what they say. Mm. Um, and so but a lot of people are confused about all that work, yeah. but it's important that people here today 
that you can, you chose, you chose a body mm-hmm. and they don't have a body. You're the only one that can execute things and you always have a choice. Mm-hmm. And so I was really angry at them and I was like, I can't do this. Like, what do you, like, I'm holding like a six woman retreat, six my second retreat is going to be 50 women in the middle of nowhere where people say, you know, I'm an F- I'm the main FBI strategist mm-hmm. or like I'm a drone pilot. Like, like, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Um, and so then, you know, my big, a big process that I, that you know, I know I'm sure you practice and a lot of people that are listening practice is surrender. Mm-hmm. So I surrendered this and I had the 51, 50 woman retreat <laughs> and most of the people that came to the retreat didn't know uh, this part of me mm-hmm. and they didn't know that part of them. And like one woman who came, she was an ex corporate attorney and she had been doing a lot of work and she introduced, like I had people say their full name, what they did in their day job and then who they felt they really were. And this woman did not have a day job anymore. That was like, I'm a corporate attorney. So she mm-hmm. says, I'm a, I'm a priestess and daughter of ISIS. And all the people who, who like are in, you know, boxes mm-hmm. where they don't bring their phone in, they're like, what the hell did Amy bring us to? Mm-hmm. Like, ISIS is here. Mm-hmm. So I share that story because oftentimes when you bring people together and like, this is great, like in your personal life, like even if you're not a woman's circle, but you have your family of origin or you have people in the neighborhood or, you know, your partner and like, how do you bridge a conversation from who you used to be to who you are now? Mm-hmm. And, um, with, with my ex-husband, the details of my, um, exploration of my spirituality or, uh, my intuition, that wasn't, he couldn't meet me there, mm-hmm. but he knows how much like, um, spirituality and prayer and meditation were a part of our life together and part of my practice. And, I thought that he had forgotten that because when you go through a divorce, people get really angry and mm-hmm. that, that was his way. But the summer he, he called me in the middle of the night and he said, you know, my grandfather has bone cancer and you're the only person I know to call about this. And can you please pray for him? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my heart, like he knows this about me and he knows how strong my prayer practice is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, we saw each other last weekend um, in person and he said, he miraculously healed from stage three bone cancer. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I think that you did it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even though we're not together and we will never be together again, despite what my daughter really hopes for. I know. um, He's beginning to, to allow me to be me who he knows me to be, even though I couldn't be with him. And that's like the gift of a lifetime, right? That's why the souls are karmically connected, even if they're not in the inner, in the subconscious or the inner realms or the outer realms, depending on how you look at it versus, you know, yeah, versus like the marriage contract or like the separation, those are external sort of more masculine ways of looking at relationship and connection. And what you're saying is that at the root and the foundation, at that deep soul level, there's a connection that will always be there, right? I, I knew that and I've known that, but he, he didn't, been right, very, right. He's been very angry and yeah. I spawned, like, um, I've been sitting with asking him for forgiveness for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, 
not yesterday, but on Friday, we went to the DMV to change our titles Mm -hmm. and spontaneously it came up from a deep place with me and I asked Mm -hmm. him for forgiveness. And, you know, I'm like sobbing Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's very emotional. Of course. And and he was able for the first time ever, you know, in seven years to say, you know, I have done a lot of thinking about our relationship and our marriage and I could have done things differently and I could still do things differently with you now. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And he started to cry. And he's not a crying person. Yeah. Um, and we come from lineages of, of people that hold grudges and that don't forgive and mm-hmm. don't repair. Mm-hmm. And so I said to him, this is important for our daughter mm-hmm. and this is important for us and our families mm-hmm. and like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after that, sort of period in that first retreat. I mean, I guess, can you talk a little bit about the specifics between the six person in November and then 50 people? Like what yeah. did that sort of look like in inspired action? Like what were the actions slash like thoughts? Were you wrestling between ego and soul during that period to make that happen or sort of, cause originally you, you heard it and we're like, no, thanks. <laughs> right. So, so I told them, I said, I said, if you want this to happen, you're going to make it happen. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm getting out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Like I will, I will, I will put it on my newsletter and I will ask people in person and that's all that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to take out a Facebook ad. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to like, that's it. Um, and so the work that I do in small groups mm-hmm is very different than like my Koya classes. That's a dance class I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, um, or the, like the big, the big retreats. Um, and so that retreat, the purpose of that retreat was for people to know that really high level people in Washington are waking up mm-hmm. and they want to do things differently and they want to do it from a spiritually um, clear and driven place. Mm-hmm. And that, when you can actually network in real life and then have conversations and connect people. And this is, then it changes the actual agenda. Um, And, you know, not just about Trump, but about, you know, race, about equity, you know, about a lot of different things that are not just, you know, Trump will white people up, but like the problems that existed before Trump Mm -hmm. are very clear um, in this community. Mm -hmm. And, um, the women in, in that came to that retreat have the access and the privilege mm-hmm. to start to really shift things in their, in their spheres of influence and where they have like the Venn diagram where there's the crossover mm-hmm. that they didn't, they didn't like, I, I say to people, like when you walk into your agency or to your secret place, like you need to look around and you can discern who is waking up, even if they don't consciously know it. Mm-hmm. And like, you need to know who the helpers are because shit's about to get bad. <laughs> and this was, you know, 27 February of 2017. Right. Um, and so when, when people have gone into panic around how bad can it get and like rehearsing tragedy, it's like, that is, that's the low vibration that is a match for, why we are where we're at Mm -hmm. and like, how do you shift your vibration to actually have aligned, meaningful action one step at a time versus like, this is my end point. Like we got to get through the middle ground, the messy middle first. Mm -hmm. So now is that what you're primarily doing? Have you moved away from 
the model? Like what does your sort of daily life and work <laughs> look like now with all these shifts and changes? So now, um, so my co-facilitator is Miyuki Yamamoto and she is Japanese mm-hmm. and she lives in Japan and, um, she is, you know, a healer in her own right. And she is a somatic, um, a somatic magician, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very different. Our energies are very different. Our personalities are different and our skill sets are different, but we have a really great, um, relationship around how to facilitate people mm-hmm. to clear the trauma and come back into an embodied place. So then they know from a very clear place, like when, their ego is trying to um, lead the conversation versus like what their soul and their true purpose is. Mm-hmm. And so our, um, the focus, the bigger focus of my work is we're going to be doing a three-year program mm. that, you know, it's like people committed to do this work with me for three years. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just can't even imagine that sometimes mm-hmm. it starts, it starts in May. Um, but we have 14 people so far who are mm. going to do that with us. And it's about, you know, getting through the personal layers of work in the, in the container. But then the third year is about picking a program, like, or a project that you're going to do in your workplace to actually shift things Mm. at work, at at work. So, um, so that's the bigger, the bigger arc of the work. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I see individual individuals. um, And then this year, my big, my big personal leap is becoming, um, a gestalt embodied sex couples therapist. Mm. Okay. So talk about why that, <laughs> how that, how does that integrate with Koya? I mean, you and I, these lifelong learners, it's like every yes. year we're like, and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going <laughs> to learn this. And it's, we're so multi-passionate and that yes. love of learning and expanding, right? Like that's why our souls are so connected. Yes. And like, <laughs> like all of my friends who, you know, have known me since graduate school, they're like, um, Okay. The Brene Brown training wasn't enough. Right. Like, totally. You know, like, why do we have to get another training, Amy? I know. And um, so people make fun of me about it, which, you know, I take, I take to mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I became a Tantra coach when I became a Koya teacher. Mm-hmm. And like, can you talk a little bit about what the difference is between Tantra and Koya for people yeah. who don't know yeah, and yeah. what they are and why yeah. and how you use that? Yeah. So Koya is... Um, a process. It's a movement process. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not a dancer. I don't claim dancer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not like that. And people who come to Koya are not, I wouldn't say for the most part dancers, we mm-hmm. get some dancers, but it's I, the way that I facilitate it. It's just like anything, like not all coaches are like, not all therapists are like, not all Koya teachers are like, mm-hmm. so, so my flavor is it's the cheapest way to get personal work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to really go deep into the shadow. Cause I'm a shadow worker by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way for you to get out of your head and get into your body, mm-hmm. your body to tell you the truth. And it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like 25 to 40 people. And I do it once or twice a month. Um, the Tantra training, um, I felt called to do because I could intuitively tell that people, even though they were having sex or even orgasming, they were not in touch with their personal power or how to have like, you know, shock, you know, chakra alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, that was like, that was like way out there <laughs> at that time for me to do. Um, so I became a Tantra, a, a Tantra coach. And when I decided, when I made that choice, I didn't tell clients, but everyone came in for the next two weeks telling me about, mm-hmm. I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't had an orgasm for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Or like, I want different things with sex with my partner mm-hmm. or, 
I think I'm, you know, pansexual or like, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm always deciding to me- to take the next training based on what the need is in my community. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so now, you know, people come to see me because they hear from, it's mostly by referral. It's not through marketing. Um, but they, I'm known for helping people through intimacy blocks mm-hmm. and, um, helping people either fall back in love with a partner that already loves them that they can't receive love from or get an, get an aligned partner when you haven't been able to have like secure partnership before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that happens, then people are like, well, aren't you going to, when are you going to see couples? Like, how can I get yeah. my partner in here to do the work with you? I'm like, well, your partner can't see me if you're seeing me. Mm-hmm. And so I fell upon the, the mentor that I'm going to do the work with. Her name is Stella Resnick and she's in her seventies <laughs> and she's this little old Jewish woman that has burgundy hair mm, and she's yes. fabulous. <laughs> she's like, you know, she's like probably like 80 pounds. <sighs> um, and she's fierce and she's like the most respectful, lit up, compassionate, non-shaming mm-hmm. mentor I've ever had. Um, and she knows her stuff. She's, you know, she's a PhD. Um, and she's really, she's been doing this for a long time in Beverly Hills and she's seen a lot of things. I see mm-hmm. a lot of things in Washington. She sees a lot of things in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, different flavors, but mm-hmm. equally amazing. And, um, going through my own couples therapy process, like, like my ex-husband was falling asleep in our couples therapy session and the couples therapist had such negative countertransference towards me that she was like, well, that's just what happens sometimes. And I was like, are we in the same room? Mm-hmm. And he's super charming and he's super nice. But I was like, how, how can this be okay? Mm -hmm. Like, like, so. Right. Wake up. Literally. (laughs) Like literally wake up. And it wasn't until our last session that she believed me when I would talk about what was actually happening in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And she was like, huh? And I was like, I've been trying to tell you this for a year and a half. And when I send you know, I trust a number of couples therapists in Washington, but in terms of like the, the sexual intimacy and the trauma underneath this, the, 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 the impasse with emotional or sexual intimacy, I don't know a lot of people who have this exact skill set. Mm-hmm. not to say that like, I don't respect a lot of people's work. Um, but this is an unmet need in, in, in the community, I would say. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, yes. And also I think just energetically, like what's been attracted it was, it's almost like the current offerings, the current therapist or workers are meeting are almost matching energetically the clients rather than having this sort of rise above like bigger vision. Right. Yes. That's, yes. That, I mean, I see that a lot in yoga, right? Like yes. it's, it's almost yes. the same thing. It's like the level of depth of teaching is matching the clients who are paying, you know, Groupon rates belonging to core power and like just right. hopping around. So they're not getting deeper. And it's not a fault of like, you know, the yoga profession. It's just like the, those teachers that are matching <laughs> this sort of float around energy. And then it's, um, we, uh, there's more to it. <laughs> right. 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 Did you have um, a, hold on uh, when you were doing the Tantra part. So I don't know if you know this, but my Ayurveda training, my lifestyle Ayurveda training, it starts actually today, um, <laughs> is a tantric teacher. I didn't know that. Isn't that amazing? Did, so she teaches Ayurveda through divine feminine Tantra. Wow. I did right? not know that. I did not know that. Light bulbs, yes. you know, huge fireworks, fireworks, like all of the pieces coming together and having that, um, 
lens, which to see because of that deep yearning in your own heart and life, you know, how did that play out when you were in your marriage and doing Tantra training? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, or did you do it because you needed it because it wasn't happening uh, at home? (laughs) Well, I mean, I did it because I, you know, this is, this is, I think every every healer's bypass. It's like, well, I need, I need that training for my client. And then like, for me, I'm so, I'm so blocked. I had no idea how profoundly blocked I, because I mean, I'll be honest, like I have before that, like I had no problem orgasming Mm -hmm. just like my clients, but then the other blocks that were connected to um, the chakras that were blocked mm-hmm. could not have gotten unblocked without the tantric practices. Mm-hmm. And so then people in my life, with the exception of my ex-husband, were like, girl, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. you look different. Like, what mm-hmm. is happening here? And, mm-hmm. you know, that was something that I didn't know I needed. Mm-hmm. And in my marriage, I would, you know, invite I'm like, let's try out some, you know, Tantra is not about sex. And mm-hmm. I think that's important yes. for people to yes. know. Um, that's confusing. It's like, don't Google WebMD. Don't Google tra- Tantra. Right. Um, right. So, so con- Tantra is about bringing your power from your vagina to fuel unblocking your, your chakras. And it's about using the power of orgasm to manifest your life and all kinds of things and breath work. And it's not actually about, like, you can have great sex with it, but that's not the point of it. Mm-hmm. Um and so for people that are like, oh my gosh, Tantra, I'm going to stop listening now. My ears are burning. Like, it's not what you think it is. Um, so in my marriage, I was like, but I do have these Tantric skills that could help our sex life. Like, let's try things. And he just was not interested. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if we had a survey of like 100 women and 100 partners and they were getting Tantra training, I think every single one of them would be like, let's try it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't understand why I'm coming with playfulness and like excitement and curiosity. And it just was just, he's someone that is super smart and like a gold star at work. And like, he just would work till five in the morning and like had no energy for anything other than work. Um, and just no interest in things that were not driven by him. Mm-hmm. So, um, Yeah. So I'll, you want to talk about the universe giving me signs? <laughs> there were so many signs. And I was like, but I'll, give, I'll give them another chance. I promise. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a side conversation for our walk one day. And yes. I just don't want to get too far deep into it as I'm like thinking about all of the pieces. I'm like taking notes about variety there's so of things. Ma- yes, and talk there's about. so many things. And I'm super open about all of that. I mean, you know, I had, I had my husband on the podcast, uh, in the fall, um, talking about some of the things like how we've had to grow together. We've been together for 20 plus years now. Right. And I, I am just such a different version of that teenage girl that he met who was in so much pain and had so much, I had so much congestion and blocks and, uh, so much pain and suffering, like physically in the body. And so my release valves were partying and drinking and smoking and being super fun all the time and very extroverted and very social, like as a way to prove that I was fine. And, 
then as I started to release and then it would like the other side of that was like screaming, yelling tantrums. I love the Tantra and tantrums. <laughs> like I write a lot about these two cause it, it cause I'm going to be doing this whole year long study. And yeah. it came up to me, like I had a lot of tantrums as a teenager and a young adult, um, fueled by rage and over drinking and over partying and just sort of over extroverting, to be honest. Um, trying to catch up to life and trying to feel and look like everybody else because I inherently don't feel like everybody else. And this I've like learned as a story. And do you know anything about Enneagram? (laughs) Do you know Enneagram? Yes. Yes. So I'm a four. So like my whole thing is I'm unique and I'm different and I, and I'm lonely and I'm always yearning and like, I'm a seeker and I, and I can do that shadow work and I can like sit with the pain. Like that's my gift is like, you know, being with people. I remember being a kid. I don't think I've ever shared this story. I was probably, um, say I was living in the apartment. I was probably nine years old and over the summer, a girl who was a few years older than us. So I must've been in fourth grade and she was in sixth grade. And her name was Anushka, and she was very, very beautiful. And Amy, over the summer, she died. Oh, my goodness. And I spent, like, a full week in bed with her obituary crying. Oh. And my mom was like, um, you don't really know her. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, um, I know you thought she was, like, the pretty popular but like what you are like feeling her pain, like what is happening right. <laughs> and all the other kids are like outside playing and at camp and I'm like the, you know, curtains drawn and I'm like this family, like I just was like feeling, <laughs> but like, as I've invested, as I've like gone deeper into the floor, I'm like, yeah, that's like what I do. That's like how I, that's my gift too. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's like yes. sitting with people are having that. So I say that with the layers. I mean, I think what I'm interested in is, um, you have been teaching more and talking more about the soul's purpose and calling. Um, mm-hmm. What does that look like for people? What does that feel like? And how can they use it in their lives? Um, I think <sighs> when you start to like, when you start to be able to discern when you actually are like embodied, like in your pelvic bowl, mm-hmm. like that's embodiment. And a lot of people get confused because they think when their heart is full, uh, that's, that's what's true but we can really kind of like create a lot of confusion. Like our ego does a really good job of maintaining um, the status quo. Mm -hmm. And just because like, like this is why a lot of people who ask me about, um, I'm like, I can't think of the name of it. It's um, the yoga with the white turban and chanting. Kundalini. Kundalini. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kundalini came as an, like Kundalini was happening and Tantra was an opposition to to Kundalini. So Kundalini is like male dominated and like you leave yourself mm-hmm. to have spirituality, like you're out in the ether mm. and that is not like, that's an option, but women have the power. Women need to come down and in mm-hmm. to know how to put one foot in front of the other and actually make forward change in the world. Mm-hmm. And when you, like a lot of people that come to see me, they're either, fo- they're either functioning from what I call like your chin up. So like you have like, the, <laughs> yeah. like, like your, your third mm-hmm. eye mm-hmm. is so awake to the world. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you have a meta vision that can change the world, but like you cannot see yourself work shit. Mm-hmm. And then you're totally disconnected from the, ch- like, you do not know your, you don't have a physical awareness. 
So like a lot of somatic problems, like, you know, cramps, migraines, like gut problems, Mm -hmm. and then like no actual, no, no awareness of what you actually feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when people tell me like, oh, I'm making this decision because my heart told me to do it. I'm like, nah, bro, let's try again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. it's, It's very confusing because people, it, like, I, I made a, a post about this the other day. I'm like, if you could have figured it out, you would have figured it out. It's not a thinking place. Mm-hmm. And people are trying to use the ego to, to discern the soul's calling. And the soul has nothing to do with the ego. And, like, learning how, learning to notice yourself, that you are one who notices. And that you can notice um, this is how it's always been, or this is the dance you do around power. Or this is the dance you do around sabotaging yourself or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, then you start to be able to say, Oh, I'm doing that flavor again. Do I really want to do that flavor? Do mm-hmm. I want to, ab- do I want to abandon myself because it's terrifying? And I'm like adult self has left the building and little Amy is here to take over again. Mm-hmm. And she, she knows how to do that, but like that doesn't really serve me. Um, and so learning, like a lot of people get confused about inner child work. They think that their, their inner child has to grow up like inner child work is this is the childlike essence you weren't allowed to have. And you keep that childlike essence and she doesn't grow up. You grow up. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are very confused about that. And, um, and it's like when people come to me, like they've paid so much money, they've done so much work. And it's like, you needed that. Like I needed the work I did before, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you know, you're only ready for what you're ready to do. But I think with the, um, the meta convergence of what's going on sociopolitically and like, because it's also the last decade, the last year of a decade, like we're at the bridge yeah. and people like everything's converging to say, okay, you've been at this crossroads before. Are you going to do it differently? Mm-hmm. And like, it's terrifying. And then when you feel like, like, I believe that you don't have to burn your life down to have a to have real change and people are you know we're in a culture that that confuses people around what radical change is and what a radical spiritual call answering a radical spiritual call is um and learning that it's not about changing like for you to wake up and listen to the call you don't have to change anybody else Mm -hmm. it starts it starts with your own body Mm -hmm. and when people are acting outside of themselves and like doesn't mean you can't volunteer and things like that. But like when you are leaving yourself to make everything better for everyone else, that's a red flag. Yeah. And that's like a huge, huge part of at least our, our neck of the woods. But I imagine in lots of cities where there's overeducated women who are checking the boxes and, and you sort of lose your power little by little sort of year after year as your resume building in order to have this big, beautiful life. And that's kind of the big misnomer of middle age. <laughs> I uh, feel like, <laughs> I mean, so many people, I mean, I've lost so many friends because Aww. of leaving my ex-husband and like my own stepmother was like, but like when she found out that you know, I work myself, she's like, you're not going to have insurance. Mm. She's like, why would you leave him then? And, I, and she's like, but you, had, you right. had a really good life together. And I was like, I understand. And like, it's terrifying for people to see the places where they're not oh. willing to, to stand up for themselves. And then they project onto you. Oh yeah. Like yeah. one of my best, best friends that's known me since 2000, she was like, 
we hadn't been talking that much. And she was like, well, you're traveling the world. Like who's raising your daughter? Mm -hmm. And like, of course you're leaving your Mm ex-husband. And I was like, do you know, do you, do you remember about what's happened in my life with him? And like, can you wait to hear about what's actually happening in my life versus like creating a story that's not even true? And when we, when that judgment comes up because we're terrified of being brave in our own life, I'm not asking anyone to leave their husband. Totally. I'm not asking anybody to even leave their job. Right. I'm just asking for you to be true to your soul. Yeah. And, and most people have heard it, but they're like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Why do you think it's, it's so scary? Because you think that, I mean, to me that, that does come down to that is where Brene's work is really relevant. Mm-hmm. It's like, because you don't feel worthy mm-hmm. and you feel like everybody else is worth it except for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a good friend who's a coach and she's like, she's, she's from Belgium and, and she'll be like, damn, Amy, fuck, if people knew your life, that's so heavy. They'd be like, <laughs> anybody can be helped. Anybody can be helped if you can, if you can change. She's like, you need to write that on your website. And I'm like, yeah, when my daughter is like out of college, I'll have my, my, my memoir. Yes, like, yes. It's not appropriate. Um, but like, you know. But um, I have this question, Aim. I mean, I'm yes. going to be very straight about it. Do, straight up. Do you have to have gone through tremendous suffering and darkness and the dark night of the soul or the mind or the, whatever. Like there's so much controversy about what to even call that. Right. In An order to crisis. Yes. Totally. In order to have the freedom, the stepping into the soul, the thing that you and I have that most women in our life do not have. Like, um, this is the question I think about all the time. I write about, I journal about, I want to write a book about this. Like, do we need you know, is this part of the deal in order to have the strength to awakening? And if that's the case, then is that part of our purpose, right? Is to be here and be those leaders. I don't, what do you think? So, so I have clear, I've, you know, our boomerangs are oftentimes for what we already know and what we've gone through. And so, because I have a, you know, a very complex childhood and early adult life, my boomerang is for people that have immensely suppressed trauma. Um, or complex trauma that they've like become really high functioning around. But I also now, because I'm over that, I'm over that hill now, I now attract people who are confused because they did not have trauma. And they're like, why do I feel the way I feel? Yeah. Yeah. And so what I know about that is the growing up part. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because, you know, it's like you have this like um, sense that like my life is good or I had a good childhood. Like, I want to replicate that in some way. And I want the status quo, whatever my flavor of the status quo is, I want that. And I want to have that certainty and maintain that. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to be flexible and the ability to say, well, actually, I want it to change. And I don't know what that is. And that's scary. Like, that part of growing up is is the heroine's journey. Mm -hmm. It is the spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And so I don't believe that trauma has to be the initiator. Um for a spiritual awakening or to actually change the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I don't have the numbers. I think, you know, I feel that, that the depth, like your soul, when your soul is knocking at your mind and your body and saying, Hey, we need to do this differently. 
And you're like, I don't understand. You don't have to have, like, you don't ever have to know why that's happening, but it's happening. Yeah. Or if it's happening earlier in a certain, like, I know at least in my own experience, there was this very like pivotal night where there was like a very active conscious choice to change the way I was living and thinking and interacting with the world because the current way was not working and feeling mm-hmm. so trapped by it. And it was like, okay, I, I just see there's two options here. And that was the like 18 year old self um, version of options, right? Like feeling very limited, feeling like, okay, I can either kill myself or I can stay alive in this and like make do, and do something different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, when they're, you know, obviously like I love just the stories of people's awakening and decisions and choices. And I think it's accessible to everybody. Um, and in, especially in yoga and in the healing, like wisdom traditions that I come from the people, and maybe that's with them and, or I'm attracted to them have been teachers who've been through a lot and who then express that and use that to shift their lens like I think of Sharon Salzberg and you know she the the first time I heard her say you know when I found when I heard in Buddhism that other people suffered it was freedom right she was like I didn't realize that everybody else was suffering too and that teaching I just so resonated with that because once I stepped into this world I was like oh this is not my problem this is a human (laughs) problem got it got it yeah yeah Um, so I just love, you know, sort of thinking about that. Okay. So last piece that I want to talk about just cause I'm mindful of your time and you, I, you're going to have to come back on because I have so many other questions <laughs> and things I want to talk about. And I'm sure when people hear this, they're going to then say, Oh, I wish you'd ask this or you skipped over that or blah, blah. So I, I would love that. Okay. I good. Would love that. Um, is around, can you talk a little bit about your parenting lens and your beautiful light of a daughter who I have the privilege of knowing, um, and, uh, what, how you see your work and your life, how that's kind of impacting daily life with her. Yeah. Yeah. So my daughter is my biggest teacher and she's seven. She's biracial, Japanese and American. And, um, she said to me when she was four, she said, I remember coming into the baby in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, um, she also told me when she was three, she's like, I think your heart is broken because Mm -hmm. of Papa. Mm. Um, so she is like, um, a mirror in a way that Mm -hmm. is when I'm, when I'm, I know that we're deeply connected through many lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also, you know, she has a lot of, she's very complex. Like she has sensory processing disorder. She has a profound learning disability. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was angry as hell at me when I left the house mm. and she was out of control for about a year and a half. Um, and so even like, I used to be a child therapist yeah. working with kids that were like really out of control and, even with my skill set, like I had her with an equine therapy with this shamanic horse and this amazing therapist. Um, and it wasn't until this past summer, something shifted in her and she forgave me. Mm. Um, and that was really hard because every single day I was like, did I make the wrong decision? Mm-hmm. Um, and with her, you know, it's like, because she is this, light being who is a teacher who, you know, really can call me on my bullshit, even when I'm not asking, 
um, like I'm called to be in a, in my aligned self all of the time. Mm -hmm. And that feels, that feels like a lot of work. Um, and because we co-parent and her dad is very asleep and he does the best he can. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like being in a rubber band for her. So like it, my house, like we go to bed at seven 30 and like, you know, I'm making homemade food and like, we're going and playing outside and like all those things. And at her dad's house, like he picks her up from aftercare and like they go out to dinner and like she goes to bed at nine or 10 o'clock at night. And like, so all of those things, you know, it's like, I have to let go of, it can't be my way, even though Mm -hmm. I think that that's what's best for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And that takes a lot of like, takes a lot of self forgiveness. It takes a Mm -hmm. lot of Mm self-compassion and um, it takes a lot of like working through the transition because then she's dysregulated after she spent a lot of spends a lot of time with him and we we're 50 50. Yeah. Um, so my parenting philosophy is like definitely, um, my job is to raise a child that's healthy functioning and that can eventually contribute to society mm-hmm. and that knows her worth no matter what is happening. Do you ever get, do you doubt yourself ever with her or, or have, sadness or fear like is it confidence all the time is it I know the way all the time is it this that bigger picture all the time um I would say it's not that it's a matter of confidence but it's like I have deep trust that like I will be shown what to do Mm -hmm. so like I've been fighting with Montgomery County for three years around her learning needs and Mm -hmm. she has an IEP but like she still can't read the middle of a word Mm -hmm. and like something's wrong Mm -hmm. and I'm like so like I send emails I ask questions I have meetings and like I was just like fuck that like so I wrote to the special ed like board people Mm -hmm. and like I have no idea like I called them they're like so are you asking for a due process hearing I'm like I didn't use those words right right like but like I don't know what the right stuff is around her learning and we paid for like Huntington which is a lot of money and like that's tutoring and like I don't know what the right thing is around her learning needs but like I know that I have enough fucking persistence that we're gonna fucking figure it out Right. And that there's this bigger that you're not always totally in control of what that's going to end up looking like. Right. Is that sort of fear and that shutting down of the ego being like, this is the school or this is the way or this is the classroom. Like, it's not really like that. Like there's no, you know, there's so many more um, pieces in motion and in movement with any relationship and that that sort of closing down. Like when I feel tightest or most constricted by what I want to happen, I've just been really actively learning to like, let it all go and open up wide, you know, Yeah. which is what you're, what it sounds like you're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we do prayers and gratitudes at night before we go to to bed. Mm -hmm. And last night she told me that she doesn't have any friends in second grade. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but I thought you did. And I'm like, I'm, com- I'm confused about why do you- we talk about things every day. And like, why didn't you tell me this? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I was very open about it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I have my best friend who's in first grade. And like, I have, she has her dead great grandmother, who's her best friend. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't understand why I need other friends. Mm-hmm. And I said, I talked to your dead great grandmother too, mm-hmm. who's my ex-husband's grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, like we talk, mm-hmm. um, but like, I need to have friends in my real life too. And like, I would like you to have, like, try and work on one or two friends. So then we talked about like, 
what are, who are the one or two friends that she would like to like try and make a relationship with? And, and I was like, why do you think they would be good friends? She's like, because she's kind and because mm-hmm. she seems like she would keep secrets and she seems like she would be fun. And like, she seems like she's creative. And like, so then I was like, I just like, then I relaxed. I'm like, why doesn't my daughter have friends? Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm an introvert, but I have, she sees my friends. Mm-hmm. Like she sees my relationships and her dad is a super extrovert. Um, but like, I think because of her inner life is very rich mm-hmm. and like, I think she sometimes can't be bothered with human things. I think she just hasn't seen yeah. it as a need. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, but like, I want you to at least have one person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one person. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that, like for as much as I know her and as much as we're connected, I still didn't know that about my own daughter, mm-hmm. but I just, I can't beat myself up about that. Like, Apparently we weren't meant to talk about it until last night. Right. Right. That it's always opening. The conversations are there as we're making space for them and they're changing. I mean, that's what I know also about, please don't get me started on the one day she's my best friend. And then I'm sad because, and there I am little miss four feeling so sad that the friendship is over. And then like two weeks later, she's like, can someone so come over again? We're friends again. I'm like, I just got over the loss of her, you know, like, of course, so hilarious. So yeah, then, now yeah. so many years into it, I'm like, sure, no problem. Right. Like it's less, it's, I, I know that that's going to happen. So that's me getting a little more experience in parenting. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, okay. I said that was going to be the last question, but I lied. I really have one more. What is one thing you do daily for your practice that people who are listening could start to do for themselves? I mean, a small thing, which I'm sure they're already doing is like a gratitude practice at the end of the day Mm -hmm. with real things, not just like, I'm grateful for this, this, and this, like really digging deep. Yeah. Like Alex L like really digging deep. Um, that's a simple one. The other thing that I do that I recommend to clients, I do a grounding meditation that is unlike any kind of grounding meditation I've seen before. And it helps you with self-regulation and beginning to discern the process of like who you really are mm-hmm. versus how you've been living. Mm-hmm. Can they find, is that on your website? Can they find I it? have to, I have been requested to do an actual recording of it. Oh, cousins. nice. So that's, um, that's my, that's my leading edge. Yay. Okay. So you're going to have it. You'll put it somewhere. Where can people find you? Where can they follow you and learn more about the work you do? So, so on Instagram, um, um, amy.babish, B-A-B-I-S-H. Um, and then my websites have not fully changed yet. So my, my, my kind of like non-therapy website is amytatsumi.com, which will become amybabish.com. Mm-hmm. And then my psychotherapy practice in Boggy Bottom and virtually is yoursoultherapy.com. Okay. I'll put links, all of this into the notes. Um, Amy, I love you. I care deeply for you. And I'm so grateful for all of the work you're doing in the world, all the women who are experiencing your wisdom and your light and especially your ex-husband and your daughter. I feel like their presence was here with us today in a lot Mm. of ways. And we always have so much to learn from one another. And um, I just really appreciate your honesty and you're going to come back on so we can talk specifically (laughs) about ancestral healing and lineage, because this is a huge part of Ayurveda. So I would love to hear, you know, I'd love to have like a conversation about, 
what the Ayurvedic lens is, what your lens is, what you're teaching, how people can really work with their lineage and their oh, yes. genealogy. We do this in mind body medicine work. Like this is so deep and interesting and delicious. So let's do a whole episode just on that. Okay, baby. I'm so excited. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be in this conversation with you. So Yay. thank you. All right. Bye. Aim. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.